0: welcome to episode 31 of the new balances podcast i'm your host adam and i am joined by a very special guest uh, probably my biggest name to date um, of guests on the podcast who will downplay that uh, tremendously, but Kate <laughs> from Barstool, welcome.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here, yeah, fellow for, new parent. So yes,
0: well, you I see a, the bags, bags under those eyes.
1: There. I know what you. I know what you're going through, man.
0: <laughs> my wife is the champion because she takes the overnight feedings because uh, mm-hmm. she's still on maternity leave for the next like three days or so, and then we're yeah. both back to being full time. Um, but yeah, my, uh, my friend Bill put me onto your, um, your brand at Barstool mm-hmm. and was telling me about, uh, your family. And since I was going to be a new dad he said, uh, you should follow her and reach out to her and talk to her. And then when I saw that you're putting out this merch, uh, <laughs> while we were still in the hospital, I was like, oh, I gotta buy that and get on board. Cause we're not quite into the uh, high chair stage yet with a three month old. Yeah, but uh, we are excited. And tired.
1: well, thank you. I love the shirt. I love. I get messages all the time from parents who're like, just want to show you I'm in a tired shirt, and there's like vomit all over the side of it or something. I'm like, yes, much appreciated. You know, love your wrapping it. Thanks.
0: You're welcome. Uh, one of the things that I resonated with when I was reading your blog today, uh, not today's blog, going back to one of your first blogs about uh, new parenthood. Um, you didn't know that the nipples on the bottles came in speed, various speed settings. Yeah. I had no idea either. <gasps> Thankfully, my wife, who's a saint, is a nanny. And she said, okay, we want the number one. And I was like, what do you mean the, the number one? <laughs> so apparently they come in different varying speed settings and I was not ready for that.
1: Yeah, I was giving him, I think it was like a size four. So like the hole was bigger. So it's essentially giving your infant a beer bong basically, I was like, man, he's, he's chugging these things. He's chugging them. He's sucking the bottles down. And then I would lay him down and he would spew vomit like 10 feet in the air because his stomach's the size of like a marble. And I'm like, I don't know what, what's going on. And then finally it took me like poor, poor baby. It took me like two weeks to figure out that that's what the problem was. Cause I truly, I went into this so, so clueless, like shamefully. So but like, you don't know what you don't know going into it. So it's not like you even know what to Google sometimes. Like I took the courses online, I took whatever, but there was still stuff that like, yeah. So I, I, I think
0: that's that's a whole other um, thing, right? Because now you and I are both parents during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And there, sure, there are classes, but there's no manual to say, okay, here's what you need to know. Here's what you don't need to know. And it's not like you can... <clears throat> also go and visit you know your girlfriends or other people you know who have children and they yeah. can like not to step overstep here but you want to look out for this or look out for that and be cautious of that and uh you know again I'll say it I can't say it enough my wife is a saint cuz she's a nanny and's been doing this for many years uh taking care of children so I had like a built-in expert
1: yeah that's like if I might give her a call after this, like give me some pointers. So I, I need them. God knows. Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, I imagine because I know a lot of the Barstool guys, your coworkers, um, are parents. Mm-hmm. But I feel yeah. like you're the only personality at Barstool that maybe has a newborn or the infant or who regularly blogs about it and talks about it. Um, what was it like? trying to tell your bosses, I don't know if it's Erica or Dave, uh, who's the actual boss or HR people to say, Hey, just so you know, I'm pregnant. And what was it like in that sort of corporate setting, but also very laid back setting on announcing that to the world?
1: Yeah. So one, I, it wasn't, I'm not married or anything like that. Like I was in an on again, off again relationship with a guy from Texas who worked at Barstool at the time <laughs> and so it, not only was I pregnant but it was with a co-worker at the time and and nobody knew we were dating it was we kept it way under the radar like we traveled back and forth to see each other all the time but we never posted each other um like only a couple people knew we were even seeing each other so it was definitely like one people didn't even know I was seeing anyone and so me being pregnant was like oh who's the dad like whoa like very <laughs> And I just decided from the start, once I started to show, I was like, there's nothing I could do but embrace it. And whatever, somebody out there will be able to relate to it, whatever. But when I told, uh, when I started to show, that's when I decided I had to tell Dave and Erica. Um, legally, you don't have to tell your boss until like, I forget, it's like very close to the end, but whatever, for content's sake, because um, I knew I was going to be writing about it, I was like, I want to tell them earlier on. They were both amazing. The, everybody at Barstool from start to finish of the pregnancy has just been absolutely amazing. They're like, towards the end of the pregnancy, I had really bad back pain and acid reflux and heartburn, like all this crazy stuff. And they're like, work from home as much as you can. After I had the baby, when my maternity leave ended, I was still having trouble adjusting. They're like, keep working from home. Like everybody, I feel like Barstool gets such a bad rap and it, it has been the best place to work throughout the pregnancy. But yeah, when I went in and told Dave, he was like, what, what, huh? huh? Like, he didn't quite know how to act. He's like, okay, have a nice day. Like, I'm happy for you. Great. But no, he was great. And Erica was just nothing but super supportive. Um, as was all the content people, everybody I work with was just, yeah, it's I, it's a really supportive, awesome place to work. Very lucky.
0: That's great to hear. I think, especially because most of uh, anybody who's not a stoolie, they think of bar stools being a super misogynistic, uh, macho alpha male type of place. Where...
1: A lot of nerds, actually, a lot no. of giant dorks. N- nobody very cool. <laughs> it's working there, uh, and, and I say that with love. But
0: you know, and I think one of the things that uh, for me helped me to notice that Barstool is a great place to work was because I um, I've followed Kirk Minahan since before he worked. At, for Barstool, I know he never really goes to New York, so you guys probably don't have a lot of great interactions with him. Um, but when he takes his mental health leaves because he wants to commit suicide, they're like, take all the time you need, go on hiatus, like just get yourself right. And I was like, okay, that's great that a company is able to have that sort of uh, breath of leeway to say, okay, take what you need without like, okay, like go find somewhere else to work and get insurance from it.
1: Oh yeah. They've always put people first there. There's been several people who've had to take leaves of absence who've been really open about it. And they're like, yeah, awesome. You do you and get better and whatever. Yeah. It's, it's such a supportive, awesome place to work Very, I'm. It's not lost on me how lucky I am. Cause I've seen horror stories, especially like women who are pregnant in the workplace and dealing with how some people who have the shortest maternity leave, like it's so hard. It's so crazy. So yeah, I'm very lucky.
0: Now, how did, uh, so I know previous to being in bars, at Barstool, you were in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I think you were in the Marine Corps and then went essentially right into Barstool. I don't know what the timeline is, but I was wondering if you could yep. flesh that out. Like what was pre-Barstool Kate and then Barstool Kate or Kate Barstool? Yeah,
1: the, I'll do it quick, I guess. The, so Philly suburbs, born and raised, went to college in Western Pennsylvania um, to play field hockey, got really into partying, quit the team and joined the rugby team. I was like, oh, the rugby gals are where it's at. So I was smoking a pack a day, doing like three-story beer bongs on a Tuesday morning. Like I was just a huge piece of shit. And uh, by my senior year, I was partying so hard. I was getting into some things beyond drinking and weed that were getting a little intense. And I knew like deep down, I was like, man, that's just not like, I, I knew I was better than that. And I knew I needed a good kick in the ass. Like I had become such a piece of shit. that um, I didn't know how to fix it. And I was like, man, what what could kick my ass pretty good uh, for free, the military, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's, so I dropped out with one semester left my senior year of college. Merry Christmas, mom and dad, I'm coming home. and packing my bags, I'm going to Paris Island. And that's what I decided to do. This is back in 2008. So the war was kind of re-ramping up again, especially in Afghanistan. Uh, And I knew nothing, about. much like parenthood, I knew nothing about the military. Like I went into it completely blind. And uh, it really was the kick in the ass that I needed. I really, it was the first time in my life, like, I'm one of those people that rolls my eyes at like, drinking the Kool-Aid when you're at like a corporate event and everybody's like, I can't hear you. And everyone's like, Hey, I'm the one rolling my eyes. Like, Oh, this is so corny. Uh, um, it was the first time I was like, no, I really believe this. I'm going to try as hard as I can. And like, we're a team and this is something bigger than me. And like, uh, and I don't know. I just, when I graduated from boot camp, I was standing so tall. It felt like the links in my spine were going to unhinge. Like I'd never done something I'd really been proud of before until then. And uh and I told myself like I could never go back to the asshole that I was before. Like from then on, it was gonna be a totally different trajectory. Um, and thank God it's been that way ever since. So um, well, no, it's a it's has been it's been a wavy trajectory, but it never went as low as as where I was before. Um, and please stop me. I'm a rambler, big time rambler. Um we're all so, about the rambles. Yeah, all about the rambles. So I joined the Marine Corps, I go. I didn't know anything. So the recruiter was like, what about military police? And I was like, oh, cool. I'll be a cop somewhere on a base in a cop car. And when I get out of the military, I will be a cop somewhere. Like simple, easy does it. There it is. I didn't know there was a field side to being military police where you deploy to train other police in other countries kind of thing. And that was a huge project in Afghanistan was police mentoring teams. So I go through um, the MOS school and half of it was police training. So like I'm learning how to drive a cop car and like the military laws and all that. And then the other half was all like field, uh, like infantry light training, definitely not infantry, but like that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, what's this? Everybody's
0: a rifleman. So you got to learn Everybody's a rifleman.
1: So then I get sent um, when it's time to get sent out to the field to get your permanent like duty station and job. I got sent to a field unit, which I was the only woman in my unit and I was told I don't know if this is true, I'm five foot nine, but that there was like a height required. They needed like I had the build, and I was at the time I was strong and in shape and like I knew my shit and I was good. Like, so I think I they needed a woman and there I was. So got sent to a field unit. Um ended up on the first all-woman um the first all-woman unit in the Marine Corps to go overseas on a, it was called a FET team, but a female engagement team. So I got separated then from my MP unit and sent to actual infantry units where, because of the culture, the male infantry Marines couldn't talk to, search, do anything involving the Afghan women out in the small villages. And so each infantry battalion got a few women Marines who kind of did all that stuff. So yeah, so... Uh, I went from joining the Marine Corps thinking I was going to be a cop on a base to being in one of the most violent areas in Afghanistan during the height of uh, the war. So Marjan in 2010. Holy shit. Uh, and then, yeah, from there. And it was an amazing experience. Um, it was just so eye opening. I'd never really left like the tri-state Philly area growing up. And so to suddenly be in Afghanistan and see the culture and get to sit down with the women. And I mean, it had its, heartbreaks but it also had its incredible like I'm so glad I got to experience it um deployed again a second time but it was like a much fluffier deployment it was also Afghanistan but it was on like a giant base with a burger place and like a knockoff Starbucks whatever um and I got married during this time so I found the love of my, it's If you're a woman in the military, honey, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You'll find yourself like, you know, there's like 50 guys for every one of you. I was a, I was a hot ticket. Okay. I'll tell you what I wore deodorant that made me a 10. I I wore a spritz of like perfume spray every now and then that made me a 10. Uh, but yeah, so thought I found the love of my life, got married in between deployments. Um, and when we were both done with our first enlistment, we decided to get out and move back to New York City, where he was from. So, And please stop me anytime, Rambo. So,
0: I'm, I'm all for the story.
1: Okay. So we were stationed at Camp Pendleton out in California. So I get out after five years and we, he got out around the same time as me. We moved to the Bronx in New York City, where he was from. And I start going to school at Fordham University on the GI Bill. So I previously, I had a 1.8 GPA at IUP in Western Pennsylvania. And Fordham was like, "Eh, we'll take you. You shouldn't be here, but you're free money for us. So we will take you. Um, (laughs) Thank you, government. So I go there. And this time, I had a whole new frame of reference and a whole new appreciation for school. I I couldn't get enough of it. I loved it. I ended up graduating with like a 3.8 and... Um, during that time, I I volunteered as much as I could. I was kind of like reintegrating back into society, sort of. And I'm like, what are the best ways to do this after getting out of the military? Volunteer somewhere. That way, you get to know the community, you get to make friends, you get to like whatever. So, I was volunteering with this military group called The Mission Continues, um, and. During that time, John Stewart had reached out to them from The Daily Show and said, do you have any veterans who are interested in media or anything like that? I'm doing this program where you come down to my studio once a week and veterans who are interested can like spend the whole day here and learn the business a little bit. And I was like, uh, fuck yes, pick me, please pick me. Pick me. <laughs> and I got into the program. And so my last semester at Fordham, I was also doing the VIP—it was called the VIP program, the Veteran Immersion Program—at the Daily Show during Jon Stewart's—I think it was his second-to-last season. His last season or second-to-last season. Um, and I—and still, when I got out, I felt so lost. I like—I was always a jokester and everything, but like, I—I I never thought I could make a career of it or anything like that. Like, humor got me through, especially as a woman in the military Um, in the Marine Corps, especially humor got me through a lot and won over, especially guys in the infantry who were like, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, I was like, how can I make them laugh? And that'll be my ticket to like being accepted and being fully utilized whatever. So like, I knew I like, I love joking around, but I was never thought I could make a career or anything out of it until I went to this program at the daily show. And I'm sitting in the writer's room and I'm like, holy crap. Like, people get to do this for a living. Like they get to make a living doing this. Like it, it blew my mind. It
0: was like, I think I can be funnier than some of these people and they're getting paid to do this. So <laughs> I can do this without any shadow of a doubt. Also yeah. great marketing on the daily show to call it the VIP program for veterans immersion. Like, Oh yeah. It was, a, it, it was kind great. of a
1: joke. It was, yeah, it was funny. But I mean, John Stewart was just the, uh, he came in, he would just he would bring in he would walk in with a huge stack of pizzas and sit and talk to all of us and all of his staff was so incredible and took the time to pick your brain and sitting there it was the first time I was like well okay what do I have to do to be you guys and they're like, and the writers were like you got to start immerse yourself in the New York City comedy scene there's stand up there's improv there is um, uh, oh what was the other thing I I I just anything that you could do with comedy in New York city. I just started delving into, I found open mic nights and started going almost every night that I could. Um, And I I sucked so hard, I sucked so bad at it. Um, But then also he held a job fair and the job fair was actually right where he did the show. So like one of the stations, there were stations with different media companies sitting all over the studio. And like one of them, I think it was a uh, and Network was like right where he sits to do the show is where <laughs> you interviewed with a or whatever. But anyway, I interviewed with Comedy Central and I got a job there right out of college, which was for me because I was always a huge comedy fan. I was like, oh, my God, like everything's coming up, Kate. This is the, the fucking best. And it was I was just at the bottom of the totem pole in the production department so like getting coffees for whoever getting signatures from comedians for stuff um picking out line items like production costs blah 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 setting doing up all meetings, the grunt work doing all the grunt work right charlie work charlie kelly work so uh but it was great because on my lunch breaks i could read they had the script the files and the scripts i could read the scripts of any stand-up special that was ever on comedy central or any show that was ever written i could watch Anytime new shows were coming out, we got to watch the pilots ahead of time. And even down at my level, they're like, well, what did you think of it? You know, um, comedians coming through the, I sat next to the talent scouts and they were like, do you want to come to shows with us tonight? You can sit with us. And tell." And so it just, I yes, just please. felt so, in- I was like, yes, yes, yes. To all of this, everyone was amazing. And I fell even more in love with all that stuff at the same time. My marriage was falling apart for various reasons. Um, And that was like the number one thing in my life. Like I was so, I was so in love with the guy. Like I thought it was forever, not a doubt in my mind. Um, And so a couple of things came to light that just like, I I, mentally, I had a complete breakdown. So I'm working at Comedy Central and suddenly I'm having this complete mental breakdown. I can't focus at work. And I'm the kind of person that if I feel like I'm not doing a good job, i I would rather quit and have no income than be taking money at a job where I feel like I'm not doing my best. Like I, it, it would eat away at me kind of thing. The
0: Marine Corps re <laughs> rewired your brain so that you weren't a piece of shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, wanted to carry your own sort of weight. Yeah. I mean, I can totally understand that. And I feel like, uh, you know, I've been in a similar situation where like when I was uh, studying to be a priest, I would essentially self-sabotage i would become i was the kool-aid drinker and then i was like turned into the eye roller and then turned into everything that i hated and didn't want to be and i was like i've seen myself you know you either what's the quote from batman you kill the villain or you live long enough long enough to see yourself become one and i was like i'm becoming the villain so i'm out
1: yeah yeah it's uh buddy self-sabotage team self-sabotage all right yeah that's my that's my main part of my brand I think um but I I I just completely fell apart I couldn't picture life without this person I had built my whole world around it and um it was all I didn't want anything else and I couldn't understand why it couldn't be fixed but it couldn't be fixed and uh and I felt like such a huge failure. I'm from a huge Irish Catholic family. We had like 300 people at our wedding. It was like one of the biggest, best days of my life. And I, I just, I was kind of, so I'm sitting at work. I'm not doing my job. And I was, I had been there for almost two years at this point. And I, one day I just go to my boss and I, I was starting to have like suicidal thoughts at this time. I was really starting to spiral. Cause I, and I also had a difficult time after I got out, um, with the transition a little bit. So it was like a combination of, of all this stuff. And I had started picturing myself jumping off the George Washington bridge. And it was just like this little thought at first, but like, I was like, my life is ending. Like my marriage is ending. I'm sucking at work. I know they're going to fire me. Um, I, I don't have any real skills. Like I'm lucky. They only, I only got that job. Cause I'm a veteran. I only got to go to Fordham cause I, they felt bad for me. I'm a veteran everybody just, all these, everything that's been given to me has been handed to me. And I started to get so just spiraling down on myself and he's, you know, doing what he's doing because, because there must be something wrong with me and blah, blah, blah. And I was scrolling Twitter one day on my lunch break at work. And I was thinking about like, I just don't want to be here anymore. And I saw this, this other veteran on Twitter post about uh, it's called getheadstrong.org, But it's like, Hey, are you having like scary thoughts? Are you a veteran? Like the VA can be intimidating with all the paperwork and red tape and all that stuff. And I, and when you're super depressed, that can seem just like, no, forget it. It seems insurmountable. This was like, we don't even care if you're pretending to be a veteran, we'll help you. And we're not going to check paperwork. Just give us a call. We'll help you out. And so I was like, I, I guess I got nothing left to lose. Within two days, they had me in therapy um, and were doing everything in their power to make sure that I was going to be okay. And uh, part of that was making the decision that um, I needed to quit my job and move back down to Philly and be with my family and separate from my husband at the time and get away from that. It was a bad situation. Get away from that situation. Um, And I was like wow I thought I had everything like Fordham degree job at Comedy Central I was doing stand-up all the time like I felt like I was working and then all of a sudden I was living in my Aunt Peggy's basement my parents had just sold their home and moved into a 55 and up I had nowhere to go I had just a car full of crap and I just drove down and lived in my aunt's basement I had no job I I thought my life was over but at least I was going to therapy and they're like your life's not over Hang, hold on keep keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. You're doing
0: everything you can to Mm -hmm. work on you. And that becomes your, your main focus so that you can get yourself right. Like that's a full-time job and a half.
1: Oh yeah. And slowly that, that Christmas, I worked as a UPS driver helper, um, for like $11 an hour. Just my aunt said, just do it to keep yourself busy. Just do something to keep yourself busy. So I did that. Um, then I got a job working concessions for Aramark at the Wells Fargo center where the 76ers and flyers play and at the Philly convention center. So, and again, it was like an ego blow. I'd been this Marine Corps. I went to war. um, I got this great degree that had this great job and I, I was always posting about it on social media. Like everything was so great. And all of a sudden the kids I went to high school with are in line for a hot dog and I'm serving it, you know, and I'm like 30 years old. And it was like, it was very humbling. Um, not saying there's any shame in work like that, but it was just a very like I had been really showy before, and it was like, oh, oh, hey guys, how's it going? What's up? What's up? You want ketchup on this? Or uh? anyway, um, and two, I was so heartbroken that I would, I was just a mess. It took me almost two years. Finally, I had worked enough that I moved out of the basement, and got my own place. Um, I started going to college again. I decided I was going to be a dental hygienist. So, because I was like, what's something with good money and steady money that maybe on the side, I could still just do comedy for fun at night or something, you know? Um, And it took about two years to finally even start like laughing again. Somebody I made friends with started dragging me out to open mics again. And finally I was able to start joking about it. And when I was able to start joking about the divorce, I was like, okay, you are officially going to be okay. You can laugh about it again. Cause for a while I was like, this is never going to be, there's nothing funny about like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like life is still over. And then one night I'm at an open mic night cracking jokes about it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to be okay. So while all this is happening, working concessions, going to community college to get my dental hygiene pre I go to get pizza for lunch one day. And I had started um, a Twitter account where I was just tweeting dumb like whatever came to mind but I had amassed like I had maybe like 500 followers most of them were veterans and uh just funny goofy stuff whatever I go to lunch one day on a break during college at during community college and I decide to get a calzone a pepperoni calzone and it comes out served to me it's like this big has one cheesy little opening and one pepperoni right above the cheesy opening and it looked like a vagina, like to a T. So I'm like, oh, this is wacky. I'm going to tweet this vagina calzone out. And I tweeted it out. And right away, people were like, oh, this vagina calzone.
0: It's, it's a vagina.
1: <laughs> and somebody, st- ch- somebody started tagging this guy on Twitter with it named Uncle Chaps. And I didn't follow Barstool, like, at all. I didn't really. I was like in la-la land, didn't know. Um, and people start ch- tagging this guy Uncle Chaps. Next thing you know, Uncle Chaps slides in my DMs. And he's like, Hey, I work for a site called barstool sports. I do this blog series where I, I blog about things that look like penises and vaginas and your calzone looks awful lot like a vagina. Do you mind if I blog it? And I was like, sure, by all means he says, by the way, I noticed you're a Marine Corps veteran. So am I, I said, Bye. I do a military podcast at barstool. Um, do you have any interesting stories? Would you ever want to be a guest? And I was like, well, sure. Yeah, of course. Like few weeks later, I'm on the show as a guest talking about my time on the female engagement team uh, on my first deployment. And afterwards, we were talking a little bit. And I think he could tell that I was in a bit of a rough spot still. And he was like, well, why don't you do social media for us? We could use a social media person. And um, Barstool was a lot smaller at this time. He actually paid me out of his own pocket, just out of the goodness of his heart. Um, Every month, he just lifted me up and was like here start you know start doing some stuff so still going to school still working uh, but I'm doing this on the side and it again kept me busy it gave me something to do instead of sitting there spiraling and shitting on myself and whatever because um, I've often found the busier I am actually the more successful I am the better I do because I'm a spiraler. I was going to
0: say <laughs> it sounds like your, uh, your aunt's words of wisdom, of just stay busy, keep yourself busy, you know, was that, uh, that stumbling block that becomes the stepping stone to help push yourself up.
1: Oh, yeah. Worth noting, she also got me. She gave me Steve Harvey's biography at the time thinking it would help me. It was titled jump. Not, not helpful. Not helpful. <laughs> so Yeah. Like maybe wait, give me a couple more months on this. But Anyway. <laughs>
0: Little tongue-in-cheek, but little tongue in good cheek. intention.
1: Good intention. Road to Hell's paved with it. Uh, good intentions. But anyway, uh, so soon I start a- asking, like, can I start doing blogs too? And at first I I was a no-name. Like people didn't know I was doing the social media or anything really. But I had a little segment at the end of each ZBT called Kate's Corner Now. I was doing the social media. And I started doing a couple blogs under Chaps's name. Um, So it was like, this is a guest blog by Kate under Uncle Chaps. And the the blogs did pretty well. Um, I think the first blog was about somebody getting caught finger blasting somebody in an Astros game. Very highbrow. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Dropping a hard finger blast on here. Go for it. But very highbrow. Using my (laughs) degree. We do have
0: an explicit rating. So go for
1: it. But the blog started to do pretty well. And Chaps was like, you know, I'm going to tell Dave, see if Dave. Like, we're starting to hire people. Like, I'm going to pitch for you. So, um, and this was at the old office. Things were a lot smaller. And he's like, I got you an interview with with Dave Portnoy. Again, I wasn't, I had started by then doing my research. And this had been almost a year that I had been doing stuff then for CBT and whatever. Um, So I'd done, I followed a lot of people. I'd done my research and I thought I knew Barstool. I go up there to New York City for my interview which I had swore when I left after my, I was like, I'm never going to New York city again. This city is cursed. I never want to run into him again. I never want to whatever. And next, you know, a couple a few years later, I'm coming back for this interview. Um, I was wearing like a Kohl's business casual suit. Like everyone there wears like basketball shorts and tank tops and whatever. I was like wearing, like, like I was a manager at a Denny's. <laughs> yeah. with like pay less flats. Like I rolled in right away and everyone was like, sure. You know, barstool. Um, feel but like that th-
0: could be one of those TikTok trends. Are you new here?
1: Yeah. Are you yeah. new here? Mm, yeah. Uh, I don't even think Dave looked at my resume. I I'm almost certain he didn't. Um, handed it to me, sets it down, asked me a few questions. I, I blew, I, I feel like I sucked. I blew the interview. He's like, so what do you do? Like, what's your like media like thing? And I was like, um, I work sessions and I'm going to dental hygiene school. He's like, what? Uh, but he's like, I'll tell you this, Chaps vouched for you. Chaps said you're good and that you're funny. Um, Because Chaps vouched for you, like you're you're good with him, you're good with me. Let's give you a shot. Um, Like congrats, you work here. I I did not expect, I went into it thinking my mind and I knew enough about Barstool to immediately know it was a dream job and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, I walked out of there. I there's videos of me on Twitter. I'm like doing cartwheels through Penn station. Like I'm like, when you touch the floor there, that's a big deal. Um, It was just, I was just, I was floating and I did that job down in Philly for a couple more like finals were coming up for dental hygiene school was blogging and stuff from there for a couple more weeks. Then they got the serious radio channel and they're like, you have to move up here. Like now, and so I was like fuck it I dropped out of school I never emailed my professors I never closed things out I was just like I hate cuz I hated it so much I just Peace. like completely dipped out I broke my lease I just like disappeared and uh and actually before I got an apartment up there I was living I was staying in a hostel so I could do radio um and nobody knew that Chep's like you know you could ask parcel for like a hotel right I was like oh I didn't know like staying in a hostel with like 15 other people in bunk beds like doing radio from 10 to midnight whatever I don't know (laughs) yeah if you don't know so anyway um and then ever since it's just been it's been awesome uh I I've been there for over three years now it's got I my timing 17 uh, been there for like four years now probably
0: that's closer to five because I left the seminary in 17 and we're yeah. in 22 now so that's five years because I've been at my job now for about four and a half Ugh. years uh I left from the New York North Jersey area I would lived yeah. in uh just outside of Newark in a town called Orange for about 10 years
1: yeah I know Orange mm-hmm.
0: and um before I left I uh, was in New Rochelle New York so I was yeah I know New Tri-State Rochelle area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know that area. I think, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of people living up there now. Um, but that's, yeah, that's it. Been there ever since have gotten to do so many amazing things and it's just such an awesome place to work because it's a big time you're allowed to fail company. You can do a lot of stupid shit and, but own it as long as you own it. I've, and that's a lesson I've learned there too. I've done a couple of things that I, especially with once your following blows up when you start working there, and I wasn't prepared for it, and so at first like trolls got to me really bad. Um, I had a thing with the Kirk, Kirk Minahan, who I think half the people at Barcelona have at this point, and um, that was like a big lesson for me. And now text back and forth, and like he's a lovely man, like you know, like it's just it. All that he's stuff great. was
0: his, and it, I feel like it's almost like uh, with Christians. I love Jesus. Not so much as followers, because they can be a little crazy. You yeah. love Kirk, but not as followers. It can be a little <laughs> bit crazy. Uh, yeah. He was... refers to himself as the podcast Jesus. So,
1: yeah. So, so the followers, but yeah. So, like, I've, uh, there's like a lot of less. It's, it was definitely a steep learning curve at first. Like I used to, whenever I blogged, I would like read all the comments and people would be like, man, this girl looks like she takes big shits. And I'm like, that's what they got out of this podcast about the Marines doing whatever. And then I'm like, do I look like I take big shits? And my cousins are like, yes, you do. I'm like, no. So anyway, yeah, like that's, a, ridic- that's a ridiculous example, but it's one of my favorite comments that I ever got. Um, But uh, yeah, so it was big learning curve, but the whole time I knew- like whatever. It's all it's it's just the best place to work. You're allowed to fail. Anytime I've ever come to Dave with a request, like, this is gonna sound insane, but I need a plane ticket to Florida. Um for this ridiculous. There's this, I've you heard of the sausage castle. Yes. I have. They do, yeah. They do a free BJ's for vets party on Veterans Day. I was like, I need with like two hours notice i need a plane ticket now to get to this bj party dave i know it's going to be kind of expensive and he's i like, know about yes. it
0: because of barstool and yeah you guys put out
1: yeah yeah uh, but literally i can't think of a single time that i've been told no i can't think of a single time i got in trouble for i've had many failed projects there um and many many things bomb i can't think of a single time anyone's giving me a hard time about it um and it's just yeah I don't know. I, I just, it's not lost on me how lucky I am to be there, but it definitely was a rocky road for sure. Like a lot of zigzags to get there. Uh, but I'm really grateful for it. Grateful for where I am. And I'm so glad now, like when I was going through my divorce and you could have never told me when I was in it, that life was ever going to be better. I just thought that that was going to be it for the rest of my life. And I always tell people just hold on. I promise you, It sucks. But the one thing that can't be stopped is time and things always get better with time. Like just keep your head up. Uh,
0: so you saying that it sucks. One of the things I'm infatuated by all things military. When I was in high school, uh, I was a fat piece of shit. I'm still a fat piece of shit, uh, to a certain extent, pushing whale above three bills. Um, my dream job was to be in the Marine Corps. And one of the phrases that I always heard was embrace the suck. Oh yeah. When things suck, just hold on to it, ride it out. And it's just going to be better. If you roll with the punches, go with the flow, you'll survive anything.
1: Yep. Embrace the suck, adapt, improvise, and overcome. Embrace suck. Uh, and also hurry up and wait, you know, (laughs) in a big rush to get somewhere. Sometimes you, you hurry up just to wait, but you'll get there eventually. But yeah. So then,
0: so that's a, a great, intro, you know, I think like a, it was a huge ramble intro we did. So I'm so, I am about... so
1: sorry. I don't know. I don't, like, I don't have a time anytime. limit.
0: I know we can okay. keep talking. I, you know, I'm, I'm not tied down to a time limit because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. Um, yeah. as long as you're willing to stay on, I'm happy to, uh, to keep talking. Um, the, so I guess now I wanted to just shift gears a little bit and we've talked about. Uh, pre Barstool Kate, how she became uh, Barstool Kate, and now moving into this new title that you have called Mom, and how that has impacted your life, sort of shifted your focus of priority, but at the same time, not really, because it's just now, uh, the uh, in the hierarchy of needs, that's number one, but number one still becomes part of who you are, as Mm -hmm. Kate. Kate is mom. Kate is a lot of things. So when, can you walk me a little bit through when you found out you were pregnant? How did that go through your head? (laughs) Telling your partner, uh, Pat, who I listen, I've listened to his podcast uh, a little bit. And I think it's phenomenal that they, uh, their motto or tagline is cheat on the news because news (laughs) media sucks today. So I'm in love with that.
1: Um, yeah. So he was still living in Austin, Texas at the time. And actually we, again, we, it was kind of an on and off for, for like about two years. And, um, cause long distance is super hard and then COVID hit and couldn't really travel and see each other. And it was like, what are we doing? And me, I'm like, I'm almost 34, 35, like, like buddy, I don't know what we're doing. Like, cause I'm starting to get a timeline. I knew, one of the biggest, the hardest parts about my divorce is I always wanted kids. I come from a big family too, again, the Irish Catholic. And it was like, I, it was something I wanted so bad. And I thought I'm already too old. Oh my God, I've lost that. I'll never have that. Like that was another part of the heartache. Like there goes one of my biggest dreams in life. I'll, I'll never have that. Um, and, uh, so this was kind of an unexpected thing. And I, my family goes down the Jersey shore every year this is TMI and I was like, why don't you just come down, meet me, fly, like let's put put your mask on, fly to, the, to Jersey, meet me with my family down the shore, like a huge, like my whole extended family. And basically we like booze it up and just party all week. It's a delight. And um, so we did that, we had a great time. And like almost two months later, I go, I went hiking upstate New York all the time. Love, I love hiking. And I I usually don't have any trouble, and I was like struggling. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm dying!" I like this hike's not even that hard. What the hell's wrong with me? And then I was a smoker too. I went to light a cigarette afterwards, and I was like, "Oh my god, the cigarette is like garbage. What the hell's going on?" And I was just like,
0: "It's amazing how the body self sabotages you to preserve the baby."
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Wait, why don't I want to booze right now? Um, Because I like the first month and first almost two months i was like still going out to the bars i was a huge i I, I, new york city's like a playground i was going out and having a great time whatever um so and actually not in the bars but at the time because of covid everybody was getting the slushy drinks out in the street Is what everybody was doing it was like a festival so so i was meeting i had i was on a bocce league so i'd meet the bocce league in a church parking lot and we'd drink slushy drinks together like socially distanced whatever um but anyway uh so yeah, I took a pregnant. I was like, Oh my God. Cause I was, I was, this is so much TMI wasn't planning. It was taking precautions to, for that to not happen. And uh, it was, it was like shocking, but at the same time, the second I saw, I fell in love. The second I, I was like, I don't know. I just had this feeling and uh, I even took a selfie the second I found out just, I was just, I don't know. I just knew Overjoyed, that overcome was, with
0: all the emotion, mm-hmm. you know, I've got my daughter's first picture on my desk.
1: Yeah. You know. Little bean. Um, but yeah, I just, and so then came, I had to tell Pat who was also like living a bachelor life, great bachelor life down in Austin, Texas, and was not planning on this at all. And that's a heavy thing. Like it, for somebody who like that's an incredibly life-changing thing so that was a very scary phone call and uh
0: in an off again on again relationship we are now very much on again so yeah let's talk about this <laughs>
1: surprise and so then it was like you know what are we gonna do like you know am I gonna move down there like should, will bar let me stay like blah blah but I love this job so much I was like I can't like like I would love for you to come up here, but like, I cannot leave this job. This is just like, and the opportunities here are just too incredible. Um, I know this is where I still want to be. So we sorted it out. Um, He ended up moving up here when I was like 10 months pregnant. And uh, so we were a couple that had never lived together before. And suddenly we were living together with a baby. (laughs) So Talk about yeah.
0: figuring it out on the fly, improvising, adapting, and overcoming <laughs> yeah. like yep. a champion.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's been like, because neither of us are around babies ever. Like you're not around babies in the military. Um, living in New York City, working at Barcelona, I wasn't around kids or babies. Like I come from a big family, but I I don't remember like ever even really holding an infant before. Like I didn't know. It's been like a decade since I've been around like kids really. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. It's during COVID. So it's not like all the ants are coming over to like help, you know, like it's, so it really has been, um, not only do I
0: not know what I'm doing, I don't know how to ask for help in this time of pandemic to teach me how to do things.
1: Yep. And it was, it's been really, it's been the best fucking thing ever. Uh, but it's also been incredibly, that's been a part that's been really hard about it. Um, and even too, like going in for the checkups and stuff, the dot, like, it's just a very different vibe these days. So it's hard. You just feel like, no, it, like, yeah. I don't want to waste anybody's time. There's more important stuff going on. We like so whatever. Like, so in and out. Uh, and
0: one of the only reasons, like I didn't see a reason for me to get uh, the vaccination, not that I'm anti-vax. If people want to get the vax, go get it, have all the jabs you need to get whatever. Um, But once I realized, oh shit, I need to be at these doctor's appointments with my my partner, with my wife, like this is the primary thing and I'm going to get all the shots so that I can be there for her because she needs the support and it's just as much my kid and I want to be fully invested in my child and I want to be there for those milestone moments that I can be there for. Um, And thankfully, we were on the second half. Like, I know uh, Cash is almost a year old now. Yeah, crazy. You know, crazy times. So I don't know, was Pat able to be with you at those appointments? Um, Yeah. I know he was out of state, but, like, to be involved in that way.
1: Yeah, a lot of the appointments, uh, he did fly. He, like, came up for a few of them when he could because he also – the other part, he does have work, other work, he's freelance. And sometimes he had to be here anyway for work. Um, so we would try and line it up so that when he had to be here, that's when the appointments would be. Um, but yeah, I went to, um, I went to a good amount of them by myself and, uh, and two, it's not like your mom or anybody else can come with you or like during this time, like, you know, during whatever. So a lot of it was just, I The good part is now I have them recorded on my phone. So I have them forever. These first little moments, the first time I heard the heartbeat, the first this and that, which I wouldn't have recorded otherwise. So I'm just glad as a very online person or whatever, I'm glad I have that stuff for myself. Um, But it was tough, like moving my apartment. I did like 10 months pregnant with, yeah, like by my, yeah, it was, it was really hard. It was a lot, Um, but it, I'm also very independent, so. I saw your
0: post today, uh, you walk in with cash, uh, sort of uh, whatever park and you're like, oh, see, that's the Freedom Tower. (laughs) That's where we used to live. And I used to love life over there. Thanks for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now I'm over here in the Jersey Verbs. um, But I saw like it's I am not a morning person. I wake up excited every single morning. Now, the second I either wake up before him now, which is crazy, or I hear him and the second I hear him stirring. I hop out of bed. It's like Christmas morning, every morning going in and seeing him smile. Like I picking him up from daycare is like a dream. I Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I had kind of given up on the idea of being a mom. I thought that that ship had sailed and that that wasn't in the cards for me. And I kind of embraced the dirtbag life again, like a little bit. And so I, in a way, like, I can't believe how much I love being a mom. I like, I, it's, I love it. I don't know if you can tell. I love it. It's awesome. It's he's the best, the, it's the best, the best
0: job title ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be a mom, dad, to be a parent. I, yeah. You know, I was going to be a spiritual father for a long time. Yeah. And I left because I wanted to have my own family and to, to find that. And when I met my wife, I essentially knew, like, after the first date like this is the one like we went out Aww. to coffee the first time
1: yeah We just
0: talked for like three hours over a single cup of coffee uh and then i didn't kiss her till like the fourth or fifth date and she's like is he friend zoning me what's going on
1: um what did she think about you almost being a priest like what did she think about all that
0: it was intriguing um because yeah. she had two great uncles who were priests yeah um so she was like she wanted people to know that, you know, she didn't steal me from, uh, the seminary from the priesthood or anything. Um, but I think it was more of like, uh, an intrigue type of thing. Um, she wasn't off put by it at all. You know, yeah. I, I had varying levels of friends telling me, don't tell people that you were going to try to do this. And I had oh. other people that were like, no, like they need to know like, this you is, you gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I didn't put it in my uh, dating profiles, but like, it definitely came up in conversation. Uh, oh yeah, in the very first few times, and there were some people who wanted to take advantage of that because until I met my wife, I was still a virgin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, you know, outside the you know hand job, at Plymouth Rock, and whatnot. <laughs> you know, things like that. Who I'm among us hasn't area. given a
1: handy at Plymouth? Come on.
0: No. Uh I mean I haven't given a handy <laughs> oh, talk, but <laughs> no,
1: fair fair
0: enough all um, right <laughs> so for those of you who are listening uh now you know
1: um, <laughs> yeah
0: it's uh yeah it was, it's it was a great ride she was the you know second serious relationship I had after mm-hmm. uh, leaving the seminary and I just knew and yeah. we had a wedding date booked in a uh, booked in a church before we had a ring so
1: very we, we cool just, we just knew when you and know you when know
0: we f- when we found out that uh she was uh pregnant we were just absolutely overjoyed and found out uh, it was a little over a year ago uh like this time last year um it just completely changes your outlook On life about life and how you live life it just it's like well I don't know we gotta see what's going on with the baby and I gotta check to see how my wife is doing because I see my role as dad and as life partner I see like I have to not only help to Support, but you need to be a comfort and you need to be a rock. And as a partner, mm-hmm. like where one lacks, the other one has to increase yep. to put into overdrive. And when the other one is decreasing, the other one needs to step up. And like it's a team effort to, to raise yeah. a child. that definitely takes all of our village to help raise the baby. And oh,
1: yeah. It's a lot. And it's, it's a lot. And it's, 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 and it's a lot. It's a lot. It's the best. You know, it's very and cool.
0: Not not being able to have people come and visit like in the hospital where was kind of difficult because we were limited uh, and who could come. My wife had to have a C-section, you know, not to get too, too graphic, but Mm. she talks about it openly. She had uh, two fibroids in her uterus. Yeah. Um, And we were told, no, the doctor can't remove those during the C-section because that would be way too risky. Um, And then like 30 minutes before the C-section her, her OBGYN came in and said uh so we're gonna try to get those and you know she was on blood thinners for the entire uh pregnancy and it was just like oh shit like yeah th- okay this is this is now going from oh c-section we're gonna have a baby to this could get real serious real fast yeah. and like crying and tears and you know Not saying your goodbyes, but Mm -hmm. just in case type of scenario. Yeah, I I wrote a letter and put it in the safe for you type of thing. Yeah, but everything turned out fine and was great. And uh, you know, we didn't have any, uh, as you eloquently wrote in your blog, no ripped taints or anything. Yeah, no ripped Uh, (laughs) taints. Yeah, um, but you know, so since like week thirteen of my wife's pregnancy, she had uh, been diagnosed with. Uh, gastrointestinal reflux disease. So she, uh, she was feeling these indigestion pains. And then uh. four weeks postpartum, she had to go back to the ER because she was still having them. And uh, turns out it wasn't uh, GERD that they had thought it was. It was pancreatitis caused by <laughs> gallstones so she had uh, tons of gallstones with like a peanut butter sludge type thing. So they took that sucker out. So she had a second major abdominal surgery.
1: Oh uh, my God. And to go through pregnancy like that, I, I keep uh, like, I feel like people get tired of me talking about it, but like, I, and I think it's kind of normalized because it's such a huge part of life. Women have babies, but I don't think people realize the amount of pain and suffering that you go through to have a baby before and after. Like there's parts of pregnancy, like that acid reflux, that's no joke. And to have that for that long, you can't sleep at night. You can't eat the things you want. Like there is a lot of, and I think it gets downplayed because again, so many of us go through it. And I feel like we're, you feel like if you complain about it, then you're saying, but like, aren't you so lucky to have your baby though? Like, so you're not supposed to complain about it, but like, no man. The pain's
0: it's, real. Your it's feelings are real. It's so
1: real and it's so hard. And yeah, that's, that's terrible. She had to go through that. I'm glad she's okay. But yes, Me like too. that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe it.
0: Yeah. So she, we, but, she was away from us for like two nights and she was uh, beside herself, just wanted to be back to hold her baby, but she couldn't yep. hold the baby on her because of the second <sighs> abdominal surgery. So we are trying to figure out how she could... her off to the side and And like your hormones too
1: like yeah Yeah, constant
0: flux and
1: makes it so much harder wow so
0: i had to go to the one month appointment uh checkup and she was in the hospital and she's like please just make sure you tell the doctor that i'm not a bad mom and (laughs) i'm like he's not going to think you're a bad mom for being in the hospital for something that another doctor misdiagnosed
1: yeah right
0: But I will 100% let him know that that's what's going on. Um,
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So, long story short, moms are champions. They are all superwoman. Uh, Just the amount (laughs) of absolute physical um, punishment that your bodies have to go through to carry a child. Meanwhile, you know, us uh, husbands and fathers and you know partners in crime are you know the sidekicks to this absolute wild ride of a circus um, mm-hmm. that's just the best show uh, on earth not to take away from Ringling Brothers but it is the best mm-hmm. show on earth and I'm just so ecstatic to be able to be a dad and to share in that and to talk to other parents about uh, that life and you know because we're sitting at home. I get home tonight at like six o'clock and my wife is feeding the baby and she's wearing this cute little dinosaur hoodie. And I put it up her hoodie, like halfway up on her head and I'm like you, you thug life, you what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like the cutest thing ever. Um, like as any parent says about their child, yeah. uh, you know, they are the best thing that has ever happened to us. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that you said yes to coming on to share, the story about cash. And I would guess I would ask you, what has been the most awesome thing that you've seen your child do? And what's the most annoying thing you've seen your child do?
1: Uh, Most awesome. One of the most awesome things, not necessarily that he does, but it's getting to see my family with him. is just really cool. Uh, It's amazing. Um, And one of the most awesome things he does, now that he's laughing, his laugh is just the best, all I want to do. I've always chased a laugh my whole life. And now like, this is the number one laugh I want. I'll do anything to make him laugh. And it's, yeah, that's just the best. The most annoying thing he does is uh, he, I can for the floor 20 times. He'll find any, now that he's crawling, anything he finds he wants to put in his mouth, any little nugget and he he'll make direct, he'll pick, put it in his fingers, make direct eye contact with you. And then pop, and you're like, no, and you're like running across like, what, why, why are you eating cardboard? What are you doing? Why are you eating a piece of cat food? Like what, what? Um, he's, oh yeah. So that's probably, and even then it's funny. It doesn't bother me. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's changed a lot of things, especially with my job. Like I used to travel and go out to the, I don't, it's just shifted me in a new direction. I don't miss any of the old stuff at all. I'm glad I got to have those experiences, but this is by far the best one. So
0: you can tell it's written on your face that
1: yeah, you know, I'm a Not fan. that I knew
0: you before, but this He's looks a like the happiest everyone. you've ever been. Yeah, <laughs> we're looking at a live stream of the baby monitor right
1: now. Yeah, so that, that's a holding that that's up. One.
0: We've got the same uh, one. I love that it tells us what the temperature is in the room because yes, our uh, we live in a duplex right now, um, and one our bedroom and nursery are like right next to each other. One mm-hmm. faces. The sunrise and then the other one uh faces away not like directly opposite but the rooms are right next to each other um but one gets direct sunlight the other one does not get direct sunlight so mm-hmm. like in the middle of the day it can be 75 in one room and 67 in the, in the room next to it yeah it's like mm-hmm. a huge dichotomy so i'm just infatuated that the temperature sensitivity is and what the baby's comfortable with sleeping in. It oh dear,
1: <laughs> I watch the temperature like I'm like it's seventy whatever. You better get in there and we got to take him out of his blanket. It's like, it'll be like we can have <laughs> we'll have the temperature
0: set uh, to seventy in the house, but it'll still because it, I know you live yep. in the north oh. like we do, and it's been like seven degrees, one degree, zero degrees the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Like we've got plastic up on the windows. We put yep. comforters over the windows trying to keep. Any sort of cold out, and it's like yep. that that temperature is not getting above 65 in that room tonight. No, nope. that we can do about
1: that. <laughs> Put them in the sleep sack, zip that sucker up, keep them toasty. But yeah, it's a trip. I
0: thank you best. for joining me today, and uh, hopefully someday we can have you back on when uh, you've reached that toddler stage to share some more things about uh, toddlerisms and uh you know i sincerely thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me on yeah. my podcast
1: thank you this is a very important hour in the evening where i normally just stand in the kitchen eating girl scout cookies and staring into space so you know very busy i'm glad i could make the time for this. no thank you so much for having me on really appreciate it and it's great meeting you.
0: you too yeah.